Welcome to The Rural Rockstar, a podcast dedicated to empowering rural women with the tools and inspiration to transform their lives and businesses from the inside out. I share my journey of Survive to Thrive in life and business, and I show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I also interview other rockstar women from around the world to inspire you to do it too. My mission is to empower the next generation of rural changemakers to show up and be the leaders we need. I'm Katrina, your rockstar host. Let's rock. Hello and welcome back to the Rural Rockstar. I'm your host, Katrina Myers, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Georgie Somerset. Hello, Georgie. Hello, Katrina. Great to be with you. Uh, It's so nice to have you with me too. Now, we are recording on Zoom as always, and Georgie is in, you know, outback Queensland somewhere, and I'm in... (laughs) outback New South Wales not so much outback but so please bear with us if there's any sort of you know interruptions in the in the line or you know we're all pretty familiar with dodgy service and stuff like that now which we might even get into because Georgie's got some experience in that area and and is quite passionate about good connectivity and that sort of thing as well so just to give you that heads up so a little bit of background about Georgie it's I'm sort of fangirling a little bit here actually because it's just such a thrill to have Georgie on she's someone who I really look up to in the rural leadership space and you know just even in the Australian space really as a leader so it's a real honor to have Georgie with me today our history goes back probably about 10 years where we used to communicate or or connect on Twitter so this was (laughs) was back in the very very early days of Twitter well, from my memory, and I'd just moved back to the farm and Georgie was on there as well. It was in the days when there was quite a, well, I mean, I suppose there is. I'm just not quite as on Twitter anymore, but there was there was a real sort of beautiful connection, wasn't there, Georgie, on Twitter with all the Aggies. It was quite fun. Oh, there was, Katrina, and I think that we were really excited to find other people in ag and we wanted to support each other and, um, you know, I have great memories of your boxes of avocados arriving here in southern Queensland and um, they were just so beautiful and, um, and t- until we sort of couldn't overcome the Australia Post thing. But um, I think we were just excited to find our own online community as well through Ag Chat Oz and the work that we've been doing. So, I mean, Twitter is much bigger now and um, th- there's, I-, I still see people doing that, um, but I'm a bit like you. I'm not on there as much as I was, but it was a great water, water cooler at the time where you caught up with people and found another world. It really was, yeah. So so that's when I first came across Georgie and we first connected. And, you know, since then and prior to then, Georgie's done many wonderful things in the rural industry. Um, I'll just read you a little bit about her, her background. She's an industry leader and a strategist with a background in regional development across Australia, based in South Queensland, an hour from her closest sort of centre, which is fairly remote, Um, very actively involved in their family beef business. She's been on many, many boards in the not-for-profit, government and industry sectors. She was a general president of Agforce Queensland Farmers, a director of the Royal Flying Doctor Service and the RFDS Foundation and the chair of the Red Earth Community Foundation. And she's on many advisory committees for regional development tertiary institutions and also on the Australian Broadband Advisory Council, which, as we said, very passionate about connectivity, and probably most notably is also on the board of the ABC, which I think is very exciting and so wonderful to have your presence on that board. And, yeah, she's on the National Foundation for Australian Women and she's a fellow of the Australian Institute of Company Directors and has done the Australian Rural Leadership Foundation course. So 
a wealth of experience and background and just you know, just so fabulous really and to have all those positions and to be representing rural Australia in, in such a fantastic way is so cool and it's just so lovely to have you here today. So we always like to delve into how you got to being where you are now. So Georgie, if you could just share with us your story and your journey to, to being on a beef farm in rural Australia and what's taken you to this point, and you can take it back to as far as you like that you think will be interesting in the story, and we love the story. So please share with us how you got to where you are now. Oh, thanks, Katrina. And uh, let me assure you, I didn't do all those things all at the same time, and that's probably <laughs> one of my things is that, um, you know, you, you, you have seasons in your life, and I'm just incredibly fortunate that um, great opportunities have continue to come along and and um and challenge me as well and and I have to say um the board of the ABC is is an enormous challenge and a privilege I just love it because I I'm so passionate about regional communications and um making sure our stories are told but also having great public broadcasting but um I also grew up with the ABC so I grew up in northern New England and then when I was about 10 we moved to western Queensland and I um I did correspondence all my life, so New South Wales for um, several years and then a couple of years in Queensland and also did School of the Year in Queensland. So the ABC was actually really important and I remember, you know, sitting on the veranda and learning to do sing um, out of the, the, the songbook at, at whatever time after school that was broadcast and um, I wrote a letter to the, um, the ABC um, the news editor to correct them about some inaccuracies when I was in about grade six. So little did I know that years later I would be um, uh, actually helping to to craft the future of that organisation. Um, but, yeah, so I went away to boarding school, as, as many of us in the bush do. Um, and then when I left school, my parents, um, as I said, we lived in Western Queensland between Winton and Longreach, and they'd been dabbling in hosting guests on the station. Um, it's quite a large sh- sheep station. Um and so I went back out there and actually turned that into sort of a, a seven-day-a-week um, business for eight months of the year with a couple of friends and ran that for a couple of years. And it was um, it was just such a formative experience of, um, you know, setting up a business and, and running it and everything from painting the shearers' quarters and um, learning how to market it. And I remember that August heading down to Sydney um, and Melbourne and talking to bus companies about coming to stay and camp with us and, so I learned all sorts of things there and, and I learned I learned a bit about myself and people management and I probably did a whole lot of things pretty poorly. Um, but it set me on the journey of, of being a bit of a, um, being self-employed essentially. I did move to Brisbane after a couple of years and I worked for someone for about 18 months, but then I dived back into uh, start, starting my own business and, um, and that was marketing rural Australia, so rural tourism. Um, but I've lived out here since, um, well, for over 30 years now, I've lived on our property and I've essentially teleworked. Um, and now, you know, get to video conference from our property. So that's, I just love the connectivity we've got now, but I was actually running my consultancy from here back in the late eighties, um, and through the nineties. So originally it was a fax machine and a landline, um, and you, you did a lot of driving and I'm pretty excited about how connected we are. Um, so that's sort of how I ended up where I am here and, and and probably what I learned early on, my family was one of those ones where they they got in and they had a go and they volunteered um, and we always just believed that we could have a go at whatever we um, wanted to do. And the other thing was that I think if something wasn't quite right that, you know, how can you improve it? How can you get involved and, and change the system? And that's probably been something that 
it's um, just just intuitively been part of my thing is how can we improve things for you know maybe not for ourselves but for the next people who go go um, come after us. Hmm. Um, but it's been yeah it's it's been quite a journey. But I I do love the fact that um, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from in the bush if you if you turn up and you keep investing in yourself. There's there's lots of things you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I just, I loved hearing that. There's so much that I kind of resonate with, I guess, and I feel exactly the same way. I love what you said about, um, you know, it's sort of that rather than being the victim or choosing to blame or, you know, just putting up with things, it's like, well, how can I actually contribute to make a difference and what what's within my abilities um, and, you know, actually take action. So is that something that I was thinking you, you did mention, though, that it was something you grew up with. So how important do you think that that influence was? That, was that from your parents? Did that come from? Is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Is that influence that we have when we're young, and you know what we're, what we're surrounded with? And so, it sounds like that was an influence for you from a young age was to to take action, to step up, to contribute, to volunteer, to do all those things. Would that be right? Yeah, absolutely. And also to try and um, you know, I remember we had <laughs> we had challenges back in the seventies with our telephone line at, at Winton. Um, yeah, and so. We, we went, we, we talked to our federal member um, and, you know, and, and we actually called in in Canberra. We were on our way down to see family in, in Victoria. So we called in at Canberra and actually had a meeting and, and talked about it because that, you know, you sort, you sort these problems out. And I think that's the other thing is that there are people who can help you. You can't do it all, but, but just finding the way through and not being afraid to try and improve it. Um, absolutely. And I think wherever we, you know, it doesn't matter if it, within your family obviously with your your children I mean I'm really keen for them to see possibilities and and to know that they can go on and thrive um but in any organization you're in um you know what's the legacy you leave how can you leave it stronger more financial um leave leave some infrastructure behind you know whatever it is um but I I do love having that approach of what can what can I do to improve it for those that come part you know after me Mm. It's taking that responsibility as well, isn't it? And, yeah, I think that's so powerful. So something that I wanted to ask you about was you mentioned that you started your own business in consulting back, you know, 20, 20 years ago, was it, when it, before there was even internet connection it was all by phone? It was actually 1988. It was when Expo was on in Brisbane. It was a pretty exciting time and I spent uh, $3,500 on my first fax machine. So, um, But it could fax 100. I could do a broadcast fax, you see, so that was, and I could cart it around with me and plug it into a landline and away we'd go. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of found a way around, um, you know, never never sort of had a, had one office, moved around and, and did it and then came and did it from the farm. Hmm. So even though we still think the 80s is only 20 years ago, it's actually 30 years ago. Um, but so what about just how was it, how did you have the confidence to start a business in, so you did you have, you had the farm then as well, but your business was in, am I right that it was in the tourism industry, marketing like rural tourism, is that yeah. right? So, so I'd actually moved to Brisbane and I didn't have a brass razoo, but um, I really believed that there was a, a market there for it. So I, I didn't really have a lot of backing. Um, and then, then I did move to the farm and, and am where I am now. Um, but I think I think that's one of the things that's great about young people is we just we don't think we don't overthink it and we actually have a go. And maybe back then too, um, 
you didn't you didn't have the social media type impact of what could go wrong. Um, instead, I had a father who helped me buy my first little word processor, and you know it was one step up from a typewriter because you could see things on this little screen. But I I couldn't quite afford a computer because they were very expensive. Um, and again, you know, it was sort of portable. But I think that's the thing. I had people that kind of went yeah it's possible and I I had some great mentors at the time they certainly weren't called that um but some other people who believed that there was a there was certainly a market there for people to go into inland Australia and visit rural Australia um and that they needed supporting so like all small businesses I think you start off not knowing everything um and that's probably a good thing because if you knew all the challenges you'd never you'd never start (laughs) and you learn that along the way (laughs) Yes, I think that's so quite a few of my guests that I've talked to, it's really interesting that when they were younger, they just started these things and they just did it. And then actually, as we get older, it's when we put all this extra baggage on top of things and all the fear comes in and there's all this other stuff that overthinking that creeps into it. But sometimes when we're younger, we just take those risks. And I guess also, I'm assuming that was pre-kids. So there's a, there's probably a, a little bit less risk, isn't it? Yeah, I had nothing to lose. I had, yes. you know, I literally was I was living in a rented house. I had a, you know, I was paying off a car and, um, you know, and, and a set of saucepans actually. That was, you know, that was it. And so you have much less to lose. But I think that's why it's so important. When we, during COVID last year, through the Red Earth Community Foundation, we did a, a conversation series and there were a couple of great phrases that came out of that for me. And one of them was around um, the intergenera- intergenerational weaving of wisdom. And you're right, because at that age, you don't have, you're not thinking of all the things that could go wrong. You're just thinking of all the things you could do. And when you get to my age and older, you're starting to think about all the risks that are involved and you do, you know what can go wrong because you've seen it or you've done it yourself, um, but also you've got more to lose. So I think it's really important that, you know, that voice of, of youth and enthusiasm um, is there and we can hear it <clears throat> and that actually we let them do things because I had so many people when I was in my 20s give me opportunities Um so in 1993, we set up the Queensland Rural Women's Network and I was very involved in that. And I look back now and, and think, you know, I was, I was really young and these women let me sort of shape for them what the media side of things looked like and and also do, you know, set up a lot of the meetings, you know, with, with politicians and policymakers. And um, so they trusted me. And I sort of see that now as it's my job now to try and give that same sort of entree to um, young people and, and give them a go. And I, I'm sure it's just a thing of ageing that, that there is a tendency as you get older that you think that oh, someone in their 20s couldn't possibly do that. But if you look back and look what you were doing when you were 25, you know, by that time <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I had a lot going on. And so I think we need to be really respectful of young people and the enthusiasm and the energy that they bring, but also that, you know, you, they've got that capacity to run businesses and make great decisions and um, and drive change and we have to be open to it and not close our minds down. Yes. There's a couple of things that came to mind from what you were saying. There's one is support the young people to have, you know, because they are still that fresh risk-free and we need to kind of have that enthusiasm and that risk-free and that ability to just, you know, go for it, which is awesome. Then I was also thinking about in what you said there, how lovely it was that you had these women and and you're saying now that you're trying to step into that too, these older women who recognise that and who I guess were confident enough in themselves and brave enough to and respectful enough of the younger generation. Like that is so important, that support network. And then I was also thinking about how 
there's a lot of women, I think, between that sort of 30 to 40, maybe 30 to 50 even, who get to this point in life where they want to actually make a change. They want to take some risks or they might want to start something new. They realise that they've been doing this kind of standard path for so long, but it's not actually bringing them the joy they want. How can they actually channel some of that younger self to take the risks and make the changes that they want to make without letting all that fear and overthinking and, you know, all of that cloud them as much, you know, and stop them and hold them back. So yeah, I think that's really important because I think there's a lot of women sort of around my age and maybe a little bit younger who are now scared to take those risks. And so how do we channel that younger self, I suppose, is what I was thinking there. Oh, that, that's right. And Or, or even, um, you know, I think one of the great things about getting older is actually you, you have the courage to do things that you might not have done when you were younger because you actually don't, don't you're not, not as concerned about what others might think. Um, you know, and and I think that how we support those women, I talk about scaffolding and it really doesn't matter at what stage of your life you're at, I still believe you need scaffolding. You need people around you um, that don't just cheer you on and say, yeah, that's a great idea, but actually are there to support you. Um, people that, you know, I look back on um, my alumni from the Australian Rural Leadership Foundation, they, you know, they they hold me to account, but they're people I can call and bounce ideas off um, and, and they were a great it was a great thing for me to do once I had a few things under my belt because I could really reference what had uh, worked or not worked previously and how I could improve it. And I think that's it. It's, um, you know, we, we gain so many skills, particularly as women in rural communities. We do what I call the triple shift. We're doing home, we do community. We're usually working in a business or working or farm. You know, sometimes it's four things. And all of those things give you great experience. Um, you know, in volunteering, you don't get to choose who you work with. Um, and so in terms of people management and team building and negotiation and, um, you know, all that sort of thing, it's great experience to take into other um, fields. And so I just look at all that sort of thing. But even just parenting, I, we, we've set up a community leadership program in our region and, and I say, you know, the, if you're a, a child or a parent, you're involved in leadership because, um, you know, you're, you're part of a team. And parenting is one of the toughest leadership gigs there is um and it's not one that ever ends I'm discovering as well that you know sort of you know turning 18 doesn't make any difference they're still you're still there and you're still guiding and and trying to provide that scaffolding um but it is the other thing is that scaffolding is there to help you go further and help you go higher so you you watch a high-rise being built and um they they keep taping the scaffolding up they don't stop the scaffolding at the 10th floor you know they they keep taking it up to the 20th or the 30th and that's what I think I feel like um, is part of my role now is to help scaffold those people to go taller than I've ever imagined and, and they'll gather other people around them. But, you know, the the idea that um, we are the, the the holder of all the knowledge is is not where I sit. I'm, I'm a great believer that um, those that go after me will be, you know, far greater, more knowledgeable, wiser, um, and they'll, they'll reach greater heights. And that's exciting. It's it's that we'll continue to build richer communities and organisations because of the skills and the knowledge that's coming through. And, um, uh, you know, I feel like the things that I've gained, and I've been really fortunate to be invested in, and I um, I got to do facilitation training and some of those things early in my life. Um, so I'm a great believer that you've actually got to invest in skills and technical skills, but then um, you've got to be willing to listen and learn through life as well. Mm. 
Absolutely. Like that's where you get the growth then, isn't it? You've got to be prepared to actually listen and learn and take responsibility and be accountable and, you know, do the things to make the change and learn and grow as you go. And it's so interesting because I want to delve into sort of, you know, how you kind of had the confidence to get on these boards and where that started. And But I think often as women we undersell those experiences too. I mean, as you were saying, parenting such leadership skills. So many women are volunteers in communities and like I'm on our early learning service board and I cannot tell you how much I've learned. We've been through huge periods of change and we're doing all these things and the skills and the learning and the, yeah, the HR skills and the learning with people and, as you said, negotiations are just so, so, so much learning. And there'd be so many women in small communities that are learning all these things but they're not actually sort of realising how how important those skills are and how they can take it to the next level as well and looking for the opportunities and having the confidence to, to perhaps go into paid board roles and things like that. So how did you sort of start from, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that you started in similar kind of not-for-profit volunteer roles in the community and then it's built, you know, all the way up to ABC board, which is amazing. So tell us about that journey and having the confidence to kind of take those next steps in your board and leadership ventures. Yeah, look, and I think you're right. And what I hope is when people get involved in those sorts of things like you're talking about too is that they find something you need that sparks their passion. You know, they're passionate about governance or they're passionate about the financials. You know, what is the bit? Because sometimes I think we don't get exposed to enough things to know what it is we're really interested in. Um, yeah. And so, look, I, I had actually um, around about the time that I was setting up my own business, I helped set up industry bodies for farm tourism, both state and national. So I guess I was quite comfortable with um, industry bodies and, and how meetings and those sorts of things ran and, and meeting procedures and so forth. Um, but when when my daughter was quite young, um, I had an opportunity to do the company director's course and that was, I think, gave me an enormous confidence to know that um, actually I loved it and I loved the strategy um, and I think that all along I was really quite keen to be in that those sorts of strategic roles. I really enjoy the strategic thinking um, and being involved in, you know, it's an enormous privilege to be involved in an organisation where you're thinking about the next five to 10, you know, 15 years. Um, and I'm actually more interested in that sometimes than the management day-to-day doing. Um, I, don't, I don't have a problem. And I guess there's a lot of that going on in our own business. So I don't, I get, I get plenty of that here. Um, and after doing the company director's course, that sort of gave me the confidence to put my hand up for a couple of things. And and I think it is about you do have to put your hand up, you do have to apply for some things um, and show interest and you need to let people know, people around you know that you're interested in these sorts of things because they, they, they may be advertised but often um, it is more around recommendation and referral. And so I guess I just invested an enormous amount in um as you say in volunteering I did huge amount of volunteer hours in different organizations um but not for the purpose of getting onto other boards but from the purpose of really learning and changing and contributing to to where I am um I think one of the things I've I've really learned too is and was one of the things for me that came out of the rural leadership program is being being fully committed to what you take on so being 100 percent you know when you're when you're um, with the family, you're 100% with the family. When you're working, you're 100% working. Um, so that sort of you know, I'm trying to to um, shift your focus so that you can contribute the most that you can and, and be the best you. Um, yeah, so I just, it, it has, it, it, what I talk about is it layers up. You know, you get 
uh, one broad role and um, you gain some skills there and then you step into another one and um, and what I, I just I have learned that it's no point filling your life incredibly full that you've got no space for the opportunities because things come along in a year that you never imagined uh, would happen at the beginning um, and some of them are short term some of them are long term as you said I'm doing the Australian Broadband Advisory Council it's a you know it's it's two years but a few years back I did the review of the farm household allowance which was really interesting to look at um, you know and so some really different and interesting uh, pieces of work that stretch you to think um, and get you involved in it the gem for me is that I get to work with people I would never normally have met. Um, boards are such interesting places and um, usually a really diverse group of people, but they get me um, away from what I would normally be doing and I get to bring that back to my own business or community and my other roles. And so I love that I get to work across different industries and um, and and take the thinking from one board to another as well in terms of how we're solving problems in different sectors. Um so it's it's really just evolved. If you'd said to me when I was 25 and I went on the board of the ABC, I probably would have said, oh, that's really cool, but I don't know how that's going to happen. <laughs> um, and you don't know how these things do happen. You just have to keep turning up, showing up and putting 100% in, I think, is um, is the thing. But you do have to actually um, step out, I guess. And, and look, none of it none of it is easy. You, it, it's difficult. And I'm a, you know, three-and-a-half, four-hour drive from Brisbane Um there aren't there isn't public transport as you said I'm an hour from town it's you do invest enormous amount in um in these roles um so in a way it's it's very exciting that we can do so much virtually as well at the moment as well um but I just find it incredibly rewarding it's you know to look at things and sometimes it takes three or four years for something you've worked on to actually um appear to you know the staff or the public um, because it's years of investment to get to a, a stage, you know, whether it's infrastructure or process change, and and that's exciting when you see that come through and and the results that it brings to an organisation, even if you've moved on. Yes, absolutely, it's the fruits of all the hard work, I guess. But something else that you said, I think it was actually before we kind of started recording, and you touched on it briefly, but it's it's having that self belief as well, isn't it? We we talked about often it's we hold ourselves back from having the confidence and just have, well, I guess just having the courage actually to put ourselves forward. And, and you, you did mention there that sometimes you just got to tell people that you want to do it, you know, and it's having that self-belief. Mm, I think so. And and I sometimes say to people, they sort of say, oh, should I do this or should I do that? And I say, well, what's the worst that could go wrong? Like if you really want to do this, what's the worst possible thing that could go wrong? Um, that you don't get it or that you don't like it and you step down after it one term or you know whatever it is but what's the worst that could go wrong and I sometimes ask people to do that because I do think that we have a tendency and and maybe it's something as we get older as well I I, I guess I counsel some people around that tendency to catastrophize about you know what what could thinking of all the things that could go wrong instead of thinking of all the things that I could do and positively influence so um that you know, for women, and this is where I think it's important to have, you know, had to have your tribe, to have your support group. And I think there's different groups of people for different parts of your life as well. You know, I have a fantastic uh, village of women around me who um, we don't often talk about my work because that's not that's not their gig. But I do have a tribe of women around me who I can ring and talk about work with as well, and who will hold me to account and sort of, you know, say, well, what are you what are you doing next, or you know, why did you 
do that or what made you think that? And I really love those those tough conversations. I don't always love them at the time, but they are the conversations that cause me to stop and reflect and improve or think deeply about what I'm doing. Um, and and I continue to do lead, you know, try and improve my leadership skills as well. You know, I think it's the, there's there's always room for improvement. So I think it's yeah, it's it's about turning up and showing up and and um, yeah, and stepping into the space. You know, the decisions are made by the people who turn up on the day, and if you don't turn up, then it's very difficult to influence what's going on. Um, and the best place to start is obviously in your own community, your own circle of influence. Um, in your own business, but then you just keep turning up and showing up um, at the next level and the next level and you'll gradually layer up those skills. Um, but make sure you've got support around you. You know, the, the other thing is that you've got to, for me, family and our business do come first and it's it doesn't mean that everyone gets 100% of what they want, but you do have to prioritise family and that's a really tough thing for rural women, I think. We get really torn between... Um, particularly our volunteering roles and our family. <clears throat> and so the importance of prioritising our family is really critical to me. Mm. Oh, absolutely could not agree more. There's so much gold in all that that you were sharing there. And I, I, I myself had to put my family first in a difficult situation that I was in on a, on a committee that I was on in the community, which caused a lot of stress. And in the end, I had to put my family first. And it was 100% the right thing to do at the time. It was a huge learning experience. But I completely agree that, it, you know, it's so important to be able to do that and separate the two. Well, they, you can't really separate them, but the, the family, you know, that's your unit, isn't it? And you've mentioned yeah. a number of times. Today. Well, that's right. when, every, when everything else is stripped away, that's what you'll have is family. And and I, <clears throat> I think the thing is that when you said huge learning experience, that's it. Every time you go through one of these things, you learn something and you can take that into the next um, arena that you go into and it doesn't matter if it's a, a, a small community group or in your business you can take that into a board role or um, into another organization because it's your experience and you you learn something from that you take that you know nugget of gold with you mm. Mm. and that's actually the power in it too and it's the self-compassion piece and it's the it's the growth piece really is when you can start to see all those experiences as well gosh it was hard at the time but wow I learned a lot and how can I actually use that experience to then you know, grow myself, but also teach and learn and help others. So I think it's a much more empowering place to come from when you can see it like that. But well, that actually mm. sort of gets into, I would, I'd love to talk to you about the wellbeing piece and this, you know, I guess the personal development piece as well. But I did just want to say, you have mentioned support so many times in the chat today and how significant and important that is. And I think that's something to really highlight again for the for, for, for my listeners and for our listeners is that it's just, we, we sometimes we really underestimate that, don't we, and how important the support is from all different, you know, areas of our life and having people who are your people who you can turn to. It's just so important. Yeah, I'm a great believer that, you know, you need a team um, and I guess I, you know, I've tried to with our children say that, you know, that it's okay to, to have you need a team around you and, and for me, you know, the family is your backstop. They're always there for you regardless. Um but I think it's really important that you do have support and that you reach out for support. You know, what do they say? The, the bravest word is asking for help. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's difficult to do these things alone and it's also um, leadership is incredibly lonely. That's one of the things I'm, I'm really conscious of and so that's why I talk about scaffolding because it doesn't matter whether you're the chair or the CEO, you still need some scaffolding. Um, and you also need to 
if you, if you are the chair or the leader, you need to be supporting the people that you're leading as well and make sure that they're supported. And I think that's even more important at the moment when we're, um, you know, things things are changing at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning and, and all of a sudden things are turned upside down and people are not able to get together and do that incidental support. So it's actually important that you make sure that you are watching out for people. But it's been a natural thing for me that, you know, when I was, chairing the Rural Women's Network, I, one of the first things I do when we got together was just check in on everybody because it's until you can bring your full self to the board table, it's um, it's difficult to function and particularly if it's in a volunteer role where you're asking people to give up something else in their life. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important that you actually do um, know the people you're working with and certainly in a governance perspective there's, there's much more literature around that now about how important it is you know the people and you can trust the people that you're working with around the board table um but just as important in your business and to think about you know the whole person mm. Mm. so so important so what I love and I guess it does come back to that personal responsibility and where you're at with your own well-being and sort of knowing yourself and all that kind of stuff as well and having people who have that ability to take responsibility for where they are and as well. And it's just, it's it's quite a challenging area, especially in rural, uh, not just rural, but volunteer committees. I find that is sometimes a challenge because, you know, it's not like you've been selected as such to be on those boards. So as you said earlier, that's where you often learn the most because you have to work with these people that, you know, you might not necessarily work the best with. So you've got to work out how to do that. And that's that's what creates good leadership, isn't it? Being challenged to figure out how to work with people. Yeah, absolutely. How to, you know, your local school, or as you said, your early learning. I mean, they're the classics. You, you're doing it because you want you want your school, your early learning, or your community group to flourish. Um, but you're there with other passionate people who might might have um, you know different views, and you've all got to try and work together. Um, and there, it's a great challenge. Um, and you and you just learn so much about yourself in those spaces as well. <laughs> yes, you do. Absolutely do. <laughs> I have learned a lot about myself, I must say. But it's it's all good overall. I, you know, I can definitely see that. So so there was something, you know, I want to, as I said, I want to get into the wellbeing stuff with you. But something that you said earlier, which I, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, was that, and I read this quote from you in another article as well. It's about being 100% present wherever you are. So, you know, when you're with your family, you're 100% with them. When you're doing your work, you're 100% there. I, I wondered how much do you think that is attached to actually sort of finding your purpose and your passion and actually really enjoying what you do because I wonder for some people if it's like, you know, you find it really hard to be fully present and connected when you're sort of feeling disconnected or out of alignment or you're not really doing the work that you want to do. So then when you're with your family, you're like, oh, you know, do you think that's part of it too? Like do you feel really passionate and connected and aligned with the work that you're doing and is that really important? Yeah, look, I do, Katrina, and I think for me um, I'm I, I maybe maybe it's an age and stage thing. I, I'm deeply content with what I do, mm. um, but I've also been through some periods where I've had to think about what would happen if I couldn't do any of that again, or if it was all in the last you know five to ten years. Um, and I had an accident a couple of years ago, which meant that physically there's a whole lot of things that I haven't been able to do for nearly two years. Um, and so you're right. I mean, I'm not. I'm not perfect at this, and and. Um, I'm sure my family would, if they listen to this, they'll say, well, I'm not sure you are 100% with us all the time. Um, but I did go through, you know, during the, the millennium drought, I was sitting on the National Rural Advisory Council and I'd have that, um, I was away a lot and I had three children in primary school. 
But on that drive back from the airport, I try and I try and park work because once I got home, that, kids weren't interested in the work. They just wanted to know that lunch was ready, that you know things things were right to go, and are you going to be at school this morning or whatever. And I think that, that taught me a lot about compartmentalizing. And um, I also love that I have I have this sort of um, bi- you know binary life in that I go and I do things and I sit in boardrooms and I work really collaboratively on um, hold a strategy but then I come home and I'm I'm here on the farm and I'm completely removed from all of that and we don't you know we are an hour from town so we don't just duck out for bits and pieces we're completely self-contained yeah. and and I actually think that that's one of the ways I that's one of the reasons I could do it because I can completely switch off um, I'm not um, I'm not surrounded by people and and lots of busyness when I come home so I can I can switch off from here and and um, <clears throat> and a few Oh, quite a few years ago now I kind of moved my office so that it's physically I have to walk across the veranda and I think it's some of those sorts of things where I I do have times where I say I'm just I'm not going to go to the office today or I'm um, I'm going to switch off at certain times and and look it, it's not perfect I mean it's there's days when meetings go till nine o'clock at night and they start at six in the morning but it, it does mean that if I'm off for a couple of hours during the day that I can switch off from that so I think it's about learning that skill of um Focusing on the bit that you're in, maybe using physical space to do that if if all of it's in one location, um, and also using tools like when you're travelling to to get out of one zone and into another, and, and just working out how to process it. it. It was interesting during COVID. I um, I was incredibly busy. We all the boards I'm on were essential services, mm. and I realised that I wasn't having um, my driving time, which is when I listen to podcasts and books and music and and just turn everything off and think. And I actually didn't, and because I physically was impaired, I wasn't doing long walks. And so, um, you know, I had to find a space to to do that switching off because it, it wasn't it wasn't happening naturally in my time and and the natural rhythm, which is often you know, an hour's drive is a good time to <clears throat> to switch off or listen to something. Yeah. So I think it's I think there are skills in there that you've got to develop as well. But I um and it's a constant work in progress for me. Um, but it also is valuing yourself enough that time you spend on yourself is not time um you know poorly spent you know but was it time that you enjoy wasting is not wasted time um you you do need to value yourself before you value anyone else it's very hard to um to love others if you if you don't truly love yourself and I think the same with if you're not content and as you say if you don't have your values and your purpose um with some clarity and and those things can keep shifting. I think it's the goals that keep shifting, but the purpose and the values um, remain, and that's that's what can drive you through. Just oh, I'd listen to you talk about that all day, Georgie. That's just music to my ear. Like I just, yeah, it's just, yeah, absolutely. It's just beautiful hearing you describe all of that. And I think you know, I was going to then ask you about some of what your wellbeing practices are and how important mental health and wellbeing and, and sort of you know actively looking after that is for you and I guess you've sort of you've outlined some of the things you do already there and and having those boundaries around your time is definitely a well-being practice and you know prioritizing yourself and separating and having that space is all part of having a good well-being practice so is there is it a conscious thing that you do to, to maintain good mental health do you do you have you know other daily practices and tools that you integrate or is it sort of yeah what's what's because I think this is for me, obviously, it's what I'm super passionate about is well-being and mental health and people, like you said, practising mm-hmm. self-worth and self-love. And so what else is it that you 
do to maintain that? And you're sort of, you know, I imagine it's pretty high pressure sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I've, I think I've always known that physical activity is critical to mental health. And, you know, there's much more evidence about that now. But even when I was, um, you know, first starting my business, I, you know, I, I would go running and walking and that sort of thing then. Um, and, and it's been really interesting for me to process not being able to do that for a couple of years. But I actually, yeah, I do, I do invest in that. You know, I tap into Jo McClymont and her group. And if you haven't had her on yet, you need to talk to Jo McClymont and her off the track training. Um, because I, and, and it was really interesting. So I had a, um, a quite serious leg accident, um, after an encounter with a cow and I didn't, I didn't not, sign up for the next year in fact I thought saw it was even more important and you know my small accountability group within that who were still busy doing their daily workouts and things and I was on crutches for six months um and you know they were often the ones that checked in on me and um because I think they you know they they could understand it the side of it but they also have really encouraged me as I've been gradually able to do small things um and I think that's the thing you actually have to make some decisions to invest in systems that are going to help you be more accountable so for me with joy for years now I've had those workouts wherever I go so I can be in a hotel room and and you know do a box exercise or do a yoga session or whatever it is and have some guidance and tap into things and it all it's all too hard for me to process all of that information about nutrition I need someone else to make it simple for me and actually tell me what I need to do you know so it's it's realizing that I don't have to solve all these things myself I can tap into some other people who'll help me um, and, and I think that it's whatever works for her, but I do think physical movement and physical activity is critical for mental health. Um, and I think it's also, you know, the, the period that I have had the worst mental health is when I listen to other people and, um, what they thought I should do. And it was, um, you know, so I, I sort of, I said, and it was when I was a young mother. And so I say to young me, it's actually that I need to serve and I need to be not one of those things. So I do have someone who, um, you know, and, and the other year I got myself a virtual PA and, um, you know, I think that they're, they're, it's important that you let go of some things and not think that you have to do it all. So you have to, and, and then, so for me, it is about um, physical activity. I can do so much more around that. You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. Um, nutrition, it's, you know, I know the impact of, particularly I think sugar on our, on our systems um, but then it's also for me as you talk about like you you what, what's at the core so for me it's about my faith and about um, taking the time out to value myself and and our family and spending that time as well um, and and I think it's finding the balance for you so for everybody it's different I mean you can can read and think about all these things but it's actually putting it into practice um, and taking that time out for yourself is just critical um so whatever it is whatever floats people's boat if it if it if they're needing to be around people then go and be around people for me it's actually being alone um and having time out and and so that's it, it's working out what floats your boat mm, such good advice figuring out what you need like what's what works for you and what you need because yes some i mean a lot of people don't even realize that I mean, introvert and extrovert's a bit too black and white, but, you know, that, yes, yeah, some people get their energy from just going off and being by themselves and that's perfectly fine. Other people get energy from being around people and that boosts them up. You know, my husband and I are complete opposites on that. So just even knowing that yeah. about yourself and taking the time to understand that about yourself is really important. Exactly, Katrina, and that's one of the reasons I was really passionate. Um, so through our Community Foundation, we got the Community Leadership Program off the, get, off the ground eight years ago. Um, we don't have 
lots of them in Queensland like you do in Victoria. Um, and I just absolutely love watching that transformation as people understand more about themselves and their impact on other people. Um, my my sister runs online leadership um, programs and, you know, I got her to do some things with us um, at Christmas time when she was here with the, the team management index and it was fantastic to see um, our kids sort of understand more about how they all fit into the, the jigsaw puzzle. And it's okay to let go of some things because they're not your strength. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we'd actually done that years ago, um, I think it was 13 years since we'd done it. So I think it's also about um, investing in some skills and some training and turning up to a leadership program and taking the opportunities that are available, um, but actually being quite overt about that and, and taking the people in your business on that journey. So invest, investing in them so people understand themselves and each other because these are not things that we are all born to know and I only know them from you know lashings of reading um from a very early age in my early 20s I was devouring books I went to Jim Rohn when I was about 24 25 and you know it's it's tapping into that sort of stuff and and reading those things but then also um taking the bits that are relevant for you but I think it you're right it's it's a bit too black and white to just go introvert extrovert or you know what are your core characteristics? So work with someone. I think it's, you know, there, there's so many tools out there, but you need to find the bits that work for you, but actually invest in yourself and find out how you do function and um, and find some people around you that are interested in that sort of thing as well. Mm, such good advice. That's it. Take the time to actually learn about yourself and and, and don't be afraid to do that, I guess, as well, is that because that's the gold, isn't it? That's such great advice, Georgie. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I yeah, I really value all of that. Thank you. And I think that's probably a lovely place to wrap up today. It's probably um, I've taken up enough of your time and it's and the internet's sort of <laughs> not working with us anymore either. So I better let you get back to that advisory panel. But um, thank you. <laughs> thank you so, so much for joining me today. I guess just one final question is what would be your advice for someone who's out there now thinking, oh, gosh, I'd love to get into more board positions and, and just one little bit of advice that you could give them now to finish off, what would you what would you advise them? Oh, so, so if they're in a rural community, get involved, turn up to some meetings. Um, if they really want to get onto boards, then get involved with someone like Women on Boards if they're, if they're a woman. Um, there's some fantastic tools that Women on Boards are, um, you know, do and a lot of it's available remotely and they work a lot with rural communities and rural women um, and, and read. So Australian Institute of Company Directors have a lot of um, resources that are available even before you become a member. Um, but if, if that sort of thing, you know, it's like anything, if you want to become a vet, you go and study it. If you want to become a director, it's actually, it's a profession and there's a whole lot of um, skills that go with it and, and things that you need to get your head around. So just start hanging around with people who are directors, let people know that you're interested, identify the organisations you'd like to lead um, and let somebody know, um, find out who your networks are and do you know anybody there and ask them about it um, and, and just literally start turning up. I think that's the important thing is start gaining the skills around small organisations and it'll, it, it often will lead to bigger things. Oh. Such great advice again. I was writing all that down for myself as well. So thank you so much, Georgie. I'm so, so grateful for your time today. I know you've very got a lot on. Um, I won't say very busy, but you've got a lot happening. You've got a very full life. And it's just, you know, so so good of you to, to give your time to spend this time with us today. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful. So thank you so much. 
And, yeah, thanks to the listeners for joining us today. And, Georgie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Katrina. It's been terrific to be part of it. And I love how you're sharing uh, so many stories from rural Australia with other people. Thanks, Georgie. See you later. Bye, Katrina. Bye.